You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. Play action. Jones in the pocket. Crosby giving chase. And on top of him at the 45. Jones tried to sneak out to the right, and it looked like he tripped over his tight end, and then Crosby got on top of him. Third down shotgun to DeVito. Pressure up the middle. Out to his right. Gets away from one. Can't get away from the second. Adam Butler and Max Crosby combine on the sack back at the 35-yard line. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Live from Buffalo Wild Wings, here's your boy Q. And here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show with Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920, live at Buffalo Wild Wings, 65 East Horizon Ridge Road. We're here in Henderson. Still got about an hour to come on by and get hooked up with some of these many prizes that we have. My man Vice Raiders in the building, Vegas Jess is in the building, Quick is in the building, Jason's in the building, Wife's in the building, got a lot of folks here in the building. All you got to do is come on by, hang out, say what's up, get some food, get some drinks, get some prizes. We're going to do it for you. We've got Nick Shook from NFL Network, NFL.com, joining us in a matter of seconds. But before we went to break, my man Bernard called and was talking about uh, the change at, uh, at, at, the, at the top with the GM and the coach. And, you know, Dave Ziegler's out, and so interim GM Champ Kelly is in. And uh, he mentioned about uh, last time he called, he said, give that job to Champ. I'll say this. I think there's a good ch- – I don't want to say a good chance because it'll sound like I know something, which I don't. I just feel like that with the way that he's well-respected around the NFL, and he is highly respected around the NFL. Again, when the news came that he was going to be the interim GM, I got multiple texts from people that know him personally around the league like, hey, man, that's a good one. And I knew that already. When he took the job as the assistant GM, I thought he was going to be with the team maybe a couple years, and then someone was going to hire him to, to run his own team. I mean, that's how well-respected he is in the NFL and in NFL circles. So I think that he, you know, if he's going to have a a, a chance, he'll have just as good of a chance as anyone else to get that spot. But in my opinion, just my opinion, answering Bernard's question about is it coach before GM, is it GM before coach, I think it should always be GM before coach. Straight up. I think it should always be GM and the GM hires the coach. That's what I think because that's the pecking order, right? It's like I wouldn't get a job as the program director of the radio station then go hire my boss. (laughs) <laughs> right? That, that wouldn't make any sense. Like, Natalie hired me. What if I was like, you know, I think I should handle, uh, hire this Natalie lady to be my boss. Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? It should always be the pecking order should be from the top to the bottom instead of, you know, maybe a little bit less lower and then hire someone above you. Like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, in this situation, it was a little bit different with Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. They were a package duo. But technically, McDaniels was hired before Ziegler. And on top of that, a step further on that, Champ Kelly was actually interviewed before Ziegler was interviewed. And then he accepted the job as the assistant GM. I thought that that was a hell of a dynamic. And I'll and make no bones about it. I, I'm a big Dave Ziegler guy. I, I think that he did some really good things. And some of the players we've been talking about throughout the course of the show are guys that he signed, like a Robert Spillane, right? <laughs> guys like that, right? Uh, you know, being able to – to, to, to get, you know, Marcus Epps signed to be a, a leader as well, right? Some of the guys in the interior that they were able to, to, to sign on the defensive line. Jacoby Myers, I mean, that's a guy that obviously Josh McDaniels was very familiar with uh, being able to run his offense there in, in New England. But, I mean, I, I like the job that Dave Ziegler did. I really do. But, again, those guys were a one-two punch. But just to answer your question, you know, I think it should be the GM should be hired and then they make the decision, uh, obviously in, in, in agreement with – 
the owner and others with who the head coach should be. That's just how I think it should be. Does it always work out like that in the NFL? No. Obviously, when Gruden was the head coach, he had the end-all, be-all say with everything. He hired Mayock. So, again, it's just kind of it's one of those things. Uh, and then he also mentioned Amik Robertson and how he just makes plays, and he does. And it's funny that he had mentioned uh, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, and the fact that Amik Robertson has a little honey badger in him. True story, uh, Ryan Clark tells this story on ESPN all the time that he's a big Amik Robertson fan, and he actually hosted Amik Robertson at LSU for his official visit. And he urged the coaching staff, give him, off, offer him, offer him, offer him. And the reason that LSU didn't offer him is why? Because of his size. No, he's too small. He won't make plays. He won't make plays. Ryan Clark to this day is still upset about that. He said, I saw the dog in him. Appreciate you, brother. I saw the, pre- I saw the dog in him in, in high school and knew that he could have been a great LSU Tiger. And Ryan Clark is a very proud LSU alum. So he hosted him there. And so it's kind of cool to hear from inside the building was talking about. Yeah, he makes plays, but he's too small. So he goes to La Tech, and now he's in the league making plays. And guess who else went to LSU? The guy that Bernard mentioned, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. Now he got kicked out of school because couldn't leave the weed alone, but that's a whole other story for another day. He's obviously got to the NFL and hasn't looked back. The honey badger's been fantastic. And, well, Meek Robertson is coming into his own and definitely appreciate what he's able to do uh, with that Raiders defense and, and the plays that he's able to make. So, Bernard, thanks so much for that call and the questions. I do appreciate you. Join us now on the phone lines from NFL.com and NFL Network is our guy Nick Shook. Definitely appreciate him. And, Nick, Nick, thanks so much for your time. It's always good to catch up with you, my man. And it's week 10 of the NFL season. Thursday night football got underway. But it's crazy, Nick. I was uh, sitting at the house earlier today and, and got the email from NFL about the Super Bowl. Like, we're already talking about Super Bowl credentials, man. This season is just kind of flying by, my man. It's so funny. Last night I played uh, the Super Bowl in my NFL Network Madden League. A bunch of my colleagues at the network, we have a Madden League that we've been running for years. And we finally got to the Super Bowl in our first season. And I'm in the game, and I'm on the stream on Twitch, and I'm thinking, man, this is a cool Super Bowl setting. I can't wait to be there for this. This is going to look <laughs> awesome. It looks great in the game. So you're right. First time I really considered the Super Bowl other than, you know, midseason predictions. We're, on, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, no, we are. Week 10 got underway on Thursday night football with uh, the Bears getting the victory over the Dolphins. And really, they won They won twice, man. They win the game, and then they also uh, increase their draft stock and their draft capital spot where they have the Panthers' number one overall pick, which happens to be, well, number one overall. So right now they're sitting there at number one and number four. How big can that be if that's how it ends up shaking out at the end of the year? And does Chicago go and get a quarterback and replace Justin Fields? You know, I'm conflicted on the last part because I deep down in my heart of hearts think that Justin Fields can be your guy mm-hmm. if you put him in, you know, a little bit better of, an, of, of a situation. I think that, you know, they put him behind a leaky offensive line. They got, like, no running backs healthy for the last few weeks. They've been relying on guys like Deontay Foreman. And, and uh, when Roshan Johnson was healthy, but he's kind of been in and out. I think he's played recently. Uh, my guy, Darrington Evans, is even getting carries out there. Uh, he's got a touchdown or two so far. Um, and so, you know, they, they just uh, they haven't really helped out Justin Fields a whole lot. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the story early in the season was, well, he's hanging on to the ball too long. But the problem is nobody's getting open. The scheme was bad. Then it started to get a little bit better for a few weeks and started to see the potential of Fields show itself again. I think that in the right situation, Justin Fields can be your franchise quarterback. Um I think their franchise quarterback also should be somebody that can overcome it almost any situation. And um, we're kind of stuck in between there. So I think that we're trending toward potentially, um, you know, them taking a quarterback next year. So 
have their pick of the litter, really, it seems, at least at this point. Um, you know, you get a Drake May, you get a Caleb Williams. It's a decent class. You know, you've yeah. got some, some legit talent at the top. And um, and I also really, I think the bigger question is who's going to be making that pick? Because yes. I don't know if Matt Eberflus is long for Chicago. Obviously, we have half of the season to figure that out. But so far, the results have not been, you know, exactly. Uh, they have, you know, been, been a guarantee. And Ryan Poles, the GM, you know, he's made some interesting trades, some good, some bad. You know, I think that's a trade to move out of number one and get DJ Moore and stock up on some picks was a good one. But I think that the Chase Claypool trade is going to haunt him and his resume. Then he goes and makes the move for Montez Sweat, which makes sense because sometimes you got to make trades and you have so much cap space and you're a young team. you got to go get good players eventually. So kind of a, a mixed bag of a resume for him so far. And, you know, if they continue, you know, they won last night, but if they continue to struggle – um, I, I think that a change is very possible. So that's going to be, I think, as important as the play of Justin Fields because his ceiling's pretty low uh, considering the situation. He's, he can do you know some great things from time to time, but I don't expect him to suddenly become you know even like what CJ Stroud is doing in Houston right now, just because Stroud's in a better situation with a better offensive coordinator. He's very in tune with him. So um, I, and you know what happens when a new regime shows up? Yeah. You know, oftentimes they're like, "Hey, get that guy out of here. We're not tied to him. We didn't make that pick." So. Everything, I think, is really on the table for them. It's going to be very interesting to see how the Bears team plays throughout the rest of the season. I would like to see their pass rush improve. You know, the addition of Sweat, that was kind of the idea. Yannick Ngakwe is also in that group. When he signed there, it was, it was kind of peculiar to me because he talked about wanting to play for a playoff contender, and then he goes to Chicago, and it was like, <laughs> right. all right, well, it's kind of weird. Um, but I think that this, this last half of the season is going to go a long way toward deciding the Bears' future. And uh, we just got to sit back and see what happens. Nick Shook is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness talking all things NFL. Well, on the flip side of things, Carolina, they've got their quarterback. And Bryce Young hasn't got off to a great start so far. Actually, he's lost more games in the NFL his rookie year than he did in high school and college combined. But is it time to hit the, hit the panic button if you're Carolina? I feel, I feel for, for Bryce Young. I do. Because uh, we just talked about situation with Justin Fields. And Young is in a decidedly worse situation. That offensive line has not performed up to the expectation. Um, the skill guys they have around him have underwhelmed. Uh, you know, even guys like Terrace Marshall, who I thought should have gotten more run in recent years, is kind of on the bubble. And now suddenly he's getting, you know, a significant amount of snaps by guys like, you know, Shaq Smith and other guys. And Adam Stevens, your number one receiver. Um, <laughs> right. I think they lack, they lack like legitimate playmakers around it. Miles Sanders looks very, very over the hill, even, you know, whether he is or not. Um, I mean, it's hard to, do much when you're behind an offensive line that just doesn't do well. And I think the same is true for Bryce Young. My concern is that, you know, oftentimes you see very talented quarterbacks in the past uh, get thrown in the best situations and get ruined. Uh, it happened with Ken Couch in Cleveland. There's a number of other guys that you could throw in there. David Carr, probably another one in Houston. Uh, guys with a lot of potential that just don't have time to throw and develop bad habits and it throws off the development. Eventually, there's really no chance that they end up being the guy that you thought they were going to be. Um, I... Their offense has no identity right now. Um, they changed offensive coordinators. I thought it got a little bit better with Thomas Brown calling the plays than it did with Frank Reich, but that's kind of leveled off. Everything is just difficult for them right now, and, and I think everything's tough for Bryce. Even the size thing, I think, is playing a, a role in it. Um, I hate to say it because it's going to ding future smaller quarterbacks, but uh, I just think that right now, you know, there's, there's moments like when they played Indianapolis where he tried to throw a ball away and he, and he sails it, and, and it ends up, you know, in Kenny Moore's hands for a pick six, one of two pick sixes in that game. So, it's tough because I think Bryce has tried to strike a balance between being the hero that he was at Alabama and using his athletic ability to get out of bad situations and coming to realize that that is not possible at the NFL level. It leads to turnovers, it leads to mistakes. 
I think it's affecting him mentally and, you know, a lack of trust in the offensive line, the feeling of pressure of having to do too much. Um, it's just making for an ugly watch right now. And, and I fear for his long-term pass because I think the guy is talented and, and, and if he was in a situation like Houston, he'd be better. I don't know if he'd be as good as Stroud because his greatest strengths are different than Stroud. Right. So I'll always be compared to Stroud. And um, unless they really, A, exercise some patience and B, some aggression with acquiring talent in Carolina, which they just gave up a lot of capital to get young, uh, I think it's going to be a tough road. And I don't even think it's really all Bryce's fault. So this back half of the season is really important to them. I thought it was really telling that they tried that field goal last night late in the game instead of going for it. We knew they probably weren't going to get it if they went for it. But, you know, every game you see glimpses, most every game. You see glimpses. There's the first two drives in the game in Miami where he put together some awesome scoring drives. He looked really good, and then it just disappeared for the rest of the game. Everything is just so difficult for them right now. It's hard to get a good read on Young, and I hope that doesn't last too long to where we start to see his his development permanently stunted. Talking all things NFL right now with Nick Shook, NFL Network, NFL.com here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. You mentioned C.J. Stroud, and he has been balling, man. I think he's been uh, as advertised and then some when it comes to what he's doing in Houston. Uh, how surprised are you from C.J.'s uh, performance so far, and, and how how large, I mean, how high can this go? I'm not. I'm not surprised. Um, I, and, you know, you can call me a bit, you know, say I have some bias because I live in Ohio. I grew up an Ohio State fan. I still love the Buckeyes. I wasn't even really sold on C.J. Stroud when he was at Ohio State, but when it came to the pre-draft process, I thought he was the clear, better quarterback between the two. And you could say that's revision history, but if you go back and see what I wrote, it's true. Yeah. Uh, the reason is is that some strengths that are in his game usually translate to immediate success better than others. And the biggest one was accuracy. And his poise in the pocket, you know, he's a guy who can run but doesn't run that often because he, he likes to find the open guys and trust his arm more than his leg. I thought he should run more at Ohio State, but the, his, his style has really translated quite well in Houston. And, Offensive coordinator Bobby Sloak has really done a great job of teaming around his strength. Uh, they got a lot of young kids that are hungry out there. they got a franchise left tackle in Laramie Tunsil, which goes a long way toward helping Stroud and protecting his blind side and really trusting the offensive line and being able to do what he does. And the only thing that really has shocked me about Stroud so far is when he got the ball with 43 seconds left in the game against Tampa Bay and right down the field and scored a touchdown. Um, that's I mean, I shouted. I'm at my, I'm at my future mother-in-law's house out in Oakland <laughs> in his spare bedroom, and I'm watching the game, and all of a sudden, he throws that pass to Tank Dell to set up the touchdown. Then he throws the touchdown pass next play. And I just went, oh, my God, C.J. Stroud, you know, at the top of my lungs. Well, my fiance is in the bathroom taking a shower. And I'm just like, I'm blown away. I, I was just, I was stunned that he actually pulled that off. With no timeouts. Made, right. it, made it look easy. And, and you know, there were times that he did that at Ohio State, but I just didn't know he had that in him, which is the biggest uh, shocker for me so far. But it's fun to see him play. Um, he's, he's using his accuracy to his benefit. So often, he's got a good rapport with that receiving group. You know, you got some guys that you knew, some guys you don't. Like Robert Woods has been hurt, but he's been in the group. You got Nico Collins, who's his favorite receiver. Noah Brown has a big day last week. And then Tank Dell, who was one of my favorite receivers at the Combine, is, you know, showing out so far when he's been healthy. So they're a fun team to watch. I think the defense needs to be better, but they're a young and hungry group on both sides of the ball. They're one of those teams that, like, doesn't know any better, and they just go out and play hard. Right. And they got a young coach who's, I think, the perfect fit for this franchise. I think the Texans are taking a step toward a bright future that Houston deserves. After everything they went to went through with, with Watson and all the stuff before Watson, when you had, you know, a number of different quarterbacks cycling in and out of there, they just could never find the guy. You had TJ Yates, you had uh, uh, who was the Shop. kid from Ben uh, Tom Savage. <laughs> yeah. You, you had Tom Savage, the kid from Pitt. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. You, you went through all these quarterbacks. You finally get your guy in Watson and then he wants out and you get rid of him and you're right back to square one. So it's really nice to see this franchise get a quarterback who I think can be there for a decade plus 
as long as they keep everything around him stable um, and do some great things. I just think it's good for football that Houston, you know, has a team that's not dreadful to watch every week. I can't tell you how many times I've watched Texans games the last couple of years and just think, man, this is going to be so ugly. And it's not anymore. <laughs> right. I look forward to watching Texans games now, and a lot of that has to do with Stroud. Yeah, he's been fun, man. He's been really fun to watch. I'm really happy for him, especially with all the conversation that was leading up to the draft about his S2 scores. Yeah. and you know, the, the guy... <laughs> The guy who, uh, whoever it is that's in charge of the S2 test, their stock's got to be in free fall right, right now because you want to talk about over, uh, you know, overblowing, uh, you know, parts of the pre draft process that'll turn teams off. Everybody's saying you got a poor score in the S2 test. He knows how to go out and play football, man. And his strength is a natural ability that, that really produces success in the NFL. It's accuracy. He can throw guys open. It's funny because he was at the podium at the combine. And he was like, I'm going to show you guys how accurate I am. And he had one throw in his workout where they're running routes on air, but he threw this pass this receiver down the sideline where I could envision the defender having no shot at the ball just because Stroud was so on target. And I was like, man, that's going to work at the next level. If he ends up in the right situation, he's going to be good. And it's great to see it come to, come to fruition. Yeah, it is. Like I said, man, definitely happy for him. And I uh, hope he continues to, to roll like that because uh, they got something cooking right now in Houston. D'Amico Ryans and company are doing some really good things. Again, we're talking all things NFL right now with Nick Shook here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Well, you know me. I'm here in Vegas, right, covering the Raiders. There's never a dull moment when it comes to the Raiders. And, you know, you sent me a text the night that Coach McDaniels was fired and was just like, well, what else do you expect, right? What else is going on there? So uh, now that it's been a little bit of time, Antonio Pierce, the interim head coach, has a win under his belt after getting a victory over the Giants on Sunday. Uh, what have you thought about the goings-ons here in Vegas with uh, with the Raiders and no more McDaniels and now Antonio Pierce is in? Yeah, what did I just text you, LOL? Like, right, yep. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's so typical Raiders, but at the same time, I, you know, it's we see firings happen and teams play inspired immediately and then they kind of tail off, right? right? That happens yep. from time to time. I'm not saying the Raiders even suddenly become world beaters, but to see the the weight that was lifted off these guys' shoulders and how they just played so freely and had fun, I think it really speaks to where this club was with McDaniels and Ziegler. You know, it's, this has happened a lot over the last decade. Teams that are in need of a new regime go to the Patriots and try to steal some of their top guys thinking they can replicate the Patriot way. But the thing about the Patriot way is you got to win for people to buy in, okay? Mm -hmm. Like, if you just go in there and demand X, Y, and Z, and this is how we're doing it, and I'm in charge, and you're going to fall in line, and you don't produce wins, that's going to turn professional football players off. These are not college kids. We saw it happen kind of with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, too. They'll, they'll, they won't buy in after a while. And I think that's kind of what happened with the Raiders. Is, look, we're not producing results, and yet you're telling me to do it this way, and it's not working, and you have no leeway to consider anything else and I think eventually you lose your team I feel like he probably lost his team and, and and the reason I feel that way more than anything is not even the report it's the way that Mark Davis went with choosing Antonio Pierce literally the exact opposite type of guy as Josh McKinnon he's a former player he's a player friendly coach and he was not shy about saying he's going to be a player driven team in his opening pressure it was almost shocking to me how different the tone was and how willing they were to say that, look, we weren't doing things the right way. It did not fit with our team, and we're going to do it the right way from here on out. And then they go out and win a game over a Giants team that is overmatched. You know, you lose Daniel Jones, and you got to go with Tommy DeVito. They never had a real shot in that game. Um, so I don't think that that's necessarily an example of who the Raiders can be. But it is really interesting to see how quickly a team's body language changed after the firing of a coach. And I'm very curious to see what they do in the next month because that's going to tell us a lot about, you know, where this club is. And I don't know if it's about whether Antonio Pierce can actually be a long-term head coach to this team, but just 
you know, what type of talent do they have on this team? You know, what, what, who, Devontae Adams was, had disappeared, was not a part of this offense in the last month. And, uh, you know, are they going to get him involved more? Are these guys going to, you know, continue to play freely? Are you going to actually see their talent, you know, prove itself over this next month now that they seemingly got rid of an albatross of sorts by, by firing their coach and GM? And then where does the club go from there? You know, is the coach and GM the interim guys right now? Are they actually long-term solutions or is this just a stopgap? What does Mark Davis do next? He's in a peculiar situation right now, a very intriguing one, because, you know, he's made hires that have been good and have been bad. Um, you know, the John Gruden hire gives him a massive contract because he's got a personal attachment to him. That blows up in his face with everything that happened there. He goes to Josh McDaniels, tries to recreate the Patriot way. They bring a bunch of former Patriots over, and that doesn't work. What do they do now? He's going with a player-driven coach right now, but what do they do after that? So it's going to be an interesting second half of the season for the Raiders. Yeah, no, it really will. And, you know, one thing that stood out to me about what Mark Davis said is the fact that he wanted a leader as opposed to just a coach. And that, I mean, I don't know what Antonio Pierce is going to be long-term. Right now he's the interim head coach. But at the end of the day, Nick, it feels like at least he's a leader, and that's what that team really needed right now was a leader. Yeah, you need a coach. You know, it sounds cliche, and, and I admit that. But you need a coach that's going to get players to buy in who will want to run through a wall for him. Right. And it felt like that's not what this Raiders team was. And I think Mark Davis has thought that for a long time. He probably felt he had that in Gruden to a degree. Um, but they haven't had that guy in a long time, really. I mean, even going back when Dennis Allen was the coach there, it's just that, that's not who they've been. Maybe Jack Del Rio, when he was there, they had that to a degree, but it kind of tailed off and they made a change there. So. Um, I, you know, Mark's been the owner of this team for what now, close to 10 years. I think you learn a lot in your first five to 10 years as an owner. And, uh, and he's probably at that point now where his next decision is going to be his most significant one as owner of this team, the one being in control of the Raiders and, and where they had going forward. And, and I think it's perfectly natural to want a leader. Um, you know, a lot of coaches end up being the CEO type and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You need a guy who's a motivator more than anything. I know these are pro players, and you say, "Look, you don't. You should never, you know, need a reason to get up for a game." But I think when you're the Raiders and your franchise has been in flux for so long, you need somebody that can get everybody on the same path, on the same page, and give them a reason to want to go out and play hard. You know, it's, it's about talent as much as it's about motivation for clubs like that. And I think uh, it's gonna be really interesting to see how they proceed. You know, it's funny when you said that about, you know, the, the last time the Raiders had a coach that, you know, guys will want to run through a wall. I'm thinking about all the coaches. You know, I'm going through them in my head. I'm like, okay, hold on. You had Coach McDaniels. You had Basaccia. I mean, maybe Basaccia was the last guy as an interim as well. But before that, you know, again, it was Gruden. It was Del Rio. <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, it's just, it was one thing after the other, man. I mean, it's, I couldn't tell you the last time they had a real deal coach in place that was the real deal guy. And they thought, man, that's that's a whew, that's a great question. Maybe someone in the Raider Nation could help me out with that one. I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, it's been it's been more it's been interim guys. I yeah. think it's been interim guys more than anything. Yep. Which like oftentimes wow. you an interim guy gets a tag removed, you know? So yeah, it's it's it's, it's if you examine the Raiders from basically the last time they were in the Super Bowl now, it's been quite an interesting path. There's been a lot of mistakes made, there's been a lot of bad decisions with hires and draft picks and everything else, but it's been a winding road that has led to nowhere so far, but you know, I'm not saying that like they don't really have a franchise quarterback, right? Like the future's not super bright, right? But they're in an interesting position where they could put themselves on a path. They have an opportunity to put themselves on a path that they have not been on. All they got to do is make the right hire. Yep. 
Yep, and well, I mean, they got a hell of a start, right? I mean, the firing happens in week nine, so obviously there's plenty of time for evaluation for Mark Davis and whoever's talking to him and trying to go through the evaluation process of who the next guy should be, whether that's Antonio Pierce or someone from the outside or whatever the case may be. Well, Nick, we'll close out with this. Uh, it's, I think it's an exciting week of uh, NFL action. Of course, Thursday night football wasn't very good, but is there a particular game or two that you're really looking forward to this upcoming weekend? Uh. The 49ers game, I think it's going to be very interesting. Yes. Um, I can actually think about this. So the, the primetime slate is not great. Okay, right. We can admit that. Yeah. But Texans-Bengals is going to be fun. 49ers-Jaguars is going to be a real test of where the 49ers are after losing three straight and who the Jaguars are. Opportunistic defense, I think, could capitalize on making Brock Purdy make mistakes if he does make those mistakes. Browns-Ravens, um, most people in Cleveland think that you know, well, it depends on who you talk to. If you talk to a realist like me, you're thinking the Ravens are going to beat them. But if you talk to a Browns fan, a Dyer Browns fan, I think this is the opportunity to, to pull within, you know, a, a half game or so of the Ravens overall. Uh, and, and so that's going to go a long way toward deciding what is the toughest division in football right now. Saints Vikings, I think, is interesting because the Vikings are, you know, they're on a bit of a hot streak, but they're also going to roll with Josh Dobbs, Dobbs the quarterback. And right. Does this continue or is this where they finally kind of run out of steam? Uh, so those are a number of games that I'm thinking about. Uh, Lions Chargers, because I don't think the Chargers are playoff good, but they have gotten back to 500. This is quite a test for them. Um, and and you know then you go into the primetime plate and you're like, eh, okay, <laughs> you know. So right. those are probably the four games I'm really looking forward to. Well, I'll tell you, man. You mentioned Ravens and Browns, and I'm so intrigued by that AFC North, man. Right now, I mean, every team would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. Obviously, they don't, but even with the Browns dealing with not the not their normal quarterback, they've had backups in. They found ways to win games because of defense, right? Cincinnati struggled out the gates. Now they're hot. I mean, it's that's a hell of a division right now. That has been pretty fun to, to monitor what's going on with the North. Yeah, it's crazy right now. Every team makes playoffs, uh, which I don't think we've ever seen, <laughs> but. And the funny thing is, is I sat back and thought, well, that's not going to last. And then I looked at the other teams that are in the race, and I'm like, well, they're better than all those teams. Right. <laughs> it kind of is possible. As long as they don't beat up on each other too much. Uh, I mean, if I had to pick one, like we did this on my podcast, on the Gridiron podcast this week, you know, who among those four AFC North teams are most likely to fall by the wayside and not make the playoffs? And I think it comes down to the Steelers are probably not as good as five and three indicate. Right. I think they're really like three and five, four and four good, and they've been able to, you know, pull some rabbits out of hats to win games. So that also speaks to Mike Tomlin. The Browns, I think, also have a chance of falling by the wayside because Deshaun Watson's got to play well and stay healthy for them to really have a shot. Um, and I don't trust that. I don't trust Kevin Stefanski. And I think this is a team that's been in the playoffs, you know, once, once in the last, what, 15 years, twice in the last 21 years. Um, they don't exactly have a culture established that knows how to win, but they, they have a defense that'll keep them in every game. So, uh, I think it comes down to the Browns and Steelers deciding, you know, which of those teams is not going to make it. I think the Bengals are, ascending very quickly and are going to be right there. And the Ravens look like one of the best teams in football. So it's going to come down to the wire. And yeah. like I said, as long as they don't beat up on each other too much, um, there is a chance we can get all of them in the playoffs. which would be fascinating, <laughs> to say the least. Yes, that would be insane. But, hey, you know what? I'm good for it. I'm good for insanity. It's cool. I'm, I'm all right with that. It doesn't doesn't bother me at all. I like chaos in college football, and I'll take some insanity going on in uh, the NFL. Well, Nick, fantastic stuff as always, my man. Uh, what are you working on? I know you got the podcast, but what are you working on that uh, we should be on the lookout for? Uh, we had QB Index just went up yesterday. That's NFL.com slash QB Index. Uh, you can catch us in the podcast. It's Gridiron Podcast. You can find it on all your favorite platforms. It's Grid and then in brackets, Iron. The Grid is F1. Gridiron is football. We do F1 and, uh, and football. College is professional, mostly professional. Uh, you can find me on Twitch where I've been streaming a lot of Madden. Uh, our Madden League is 
it came down to a really exciting finish. We got all the way to the Super Bowl with the Eagles, and uh, we're going to be starting up season two next week. So nice. keep an eye out for that. And also, uh, I do a one-hour show on Tuesdays here on Big Play Sports Network in Cleveland called The Bold Ball Breakdown. It's part of the Chico Borman Show. You can find that Big Play one word on YouTube or on Twitter. And, of course, around the NFL podcast. On Sundays, the flagship show, I hop on there and do a few games with those guys. We'll probably do another QB Index pod in a couple of weeks as well. You can do it every four weeks. So, And, of course, NFL.com slash show where you can catch all my writing. Man. And there you go. That's your, that's your long uh, list of what I'm doing. Well, hey, look, man, you got as many jobs as I do. I can appreciate that. <laughs> I can appreciate that. <laughs> that's how you go, man. Hey, you got to keep the hustle going, man. I appreciate that. Great stuff as always, man. It's always great to catch up with you. Have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy all the games, and you know we'll be catching up soon. Always, you. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course, of course. Nick Shook right there, NFL.com, NFL Network. And, yeah, man, he's got a lot of jobs. I got to go ahead and step my game up. I better go ahead and find me one more. I don't know what it is. I got to find me one more. I got a couple more hours left in the day. I can make that happen. I'll tell you what. We've been hooking up a lot of prizes here at Buffalo Wild Wings, 65 East Horizon Ridge. How about we hook up some prizes on the radio? Two tickets to the Scorpions. You want to go see them April 11th to May 3rd. They've got a new residency here in Vegas. Planet Hollywood is a spot. Tickets went on sale earlier today at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. But why buy them? Why buy them if you don't have to? Go ahead and uh, get hooked up with a pair right now. 702-365-9200. That's 702-365-9200. Call number nine is what we're looking for. You want to go see the Scorpions April 11th to May 3rd. New residency at Planet Hollywood. You can get your tickets right now. Again, 702-365-9200. Call number nine. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com, joins the show next. Going to help you win some money as well. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. Let's take a look at the lines that can help win you some money. It's Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, brought to you by Joe Stonecrab, located inside the Caesars Forum Shops. On Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. And Lee Sterling joins us now on the phone lines for ParamountSports.com like he does each and every Friday. We definitely appreciate you. As always, Lee, we're into week 10 of the NFL action. What did you think about Thursday night football? A barn burner between Chicago and Carolina. Chicago won twice. They won the game and they improved their draft stock by Carolina losing. They now hold the number one overall pick and the number four overall pick if the draft were to be tomorrow. I know it's not, but that's where they're at right now. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Um, just woke up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was bad. Not as bad as watching, like, Iowa football. But uh, it was up If that game goes to overtime, I don't know what I would have done. So I think Chicago's at least headed in the right direction. And, boy, they're going to have some draft capital. Yes. So um, Chicago's going to be a force uh, if they can figure it out at quarterback and and get, you know, let's say they end up with number one and two or number one and three. They're going to need another receiver. You know, they'll go probably with Marvin Harrison. And then, 
I think they're going to go for a quarterback. I think they have to. Yeah, I do too. I think Justin Fields needs a new start. I think they need a start from a new start from him, and they'll have options, man. If you're sitting there one and four or one and three, like you mentioned, uh, they're going to be in a really good position. They can get this thing turned around pretty quickly. But yeah, it was pretty much a snooze fest Thursday night football with the Bears getting the win over the Carolina Panthers. But that started our Week Ten action. So uh, yeah, we're going to be uh, we're going to be ending it on Monday Night Football. Be looking forward to it. We're already more than halfway through the NFL season. Again, Lee Sterling, Paramount. Sports.com is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Let's get into some plays for this weekend, man. Let's matter of fact, let's start tonight. UNLV, the hometown, taking on Wyoming. It's going to be at Allegiant Stadium a little bit later. Kickoff, looking forward to that. UNLV is already bowl eligible first year under Coach Barry Odom. UNLV minus six versus Wyoming in this Mountain West action league. How do you see this one shaking out? All right. Very impressed with what UNLV is doing, but Mm -mm. they haven't beaten anyone. Every team they've beaten, losing record. Wyoming, they had one big stinker a couple weeks ago against Boise. That'll be, you're going to look back and say, Boise, that was their best game by far. They came to play. I love Craig Bull. I think he's one of the best coaches in college football. And uh, he took it. I mean, he, he said, listen, I didn't have my team prepared, but they came back last week, beat Colorado State at home. They're not, you know, they're not fancy. You know, they, they don't have, Team speed. They don't have many guys on offense you're going to see playing at the next level. But they don't have many busts in coverage. They play special teams very well. I love both coordinators. They understand the talent that they have. They're going to do what they do best, and that's run the football and not make mistakes here. I think that this is going to be a tough out here. This line should be like a pick em here. I'm going to take the six points. I think UNLV might find a way to win this game 26-23, but six points way too much in a battle of some teams that are right there on the cusp. So I think the right side here is taking the Wyoming Cowboys plus the six. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Again, hoping UNLV's uh, able to pull out this victory at Allegiant Stadium this evening, but uh, yeah, I thought that line was a little high when I saw it. Minus six, so there you go. Wyoming, roll with them, and hopefully UNLV wins by three. That's a win-win situation right there for us. Again, we're talking with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Let's dip into the NFL. Got a couple good games we're excited about. How about this one? San Francisco and Jacksonville. San Francisco coming off a bye. They've lost Lost three in a row. Jacksonville is the hottest team in football right now. Something's got to give on this. San Francisco minus three versus Jacksonville. Lee, how you seeing this one shake out? All right, so San Francisco is, when they're rolling, they are tough to beat. And I just think that their offense, led by Brock Purdy, he needs all hands on deck. If he doesn't have all his receivers, uh, McCaffrey running back, and his offensive line intact, I think it's tough for them to play at a high level here. Debo Samuel's practicing, but, you know, (laughs) one tweak here and he's out. Uh, Trent Williams looks like he might be able to go, but certainly not 100%. When they were winning, they were rolling. But when they lost all three games in a row, they were stuck on 17 points. And when they were winning, they were controlling the ball and the clock to the tune of usually between 34 and 36 minutes per game. Three losses. Only had it for 28, 25, and 26 minutes here. Everyone talks about the Jacksonville offense, but how about the defense? 18 takeaways tied for the lead in the NFL with the New Orleans Saints here, so they're getting it done on that side of the football. Also, Travis Etienne, the running back, 
He is really good running the football and also great as a pass receiver. That puts a lot of stress on defenses here. They got like four or five receivers that can beat you in different ways here. I think Trevor Lawrence is starting to come on. Last year, right on the cusp, they ended up going to Kansas City, almost knocking off the Chiefs at home here. I think they did get it done at home here. Take the three points here. Should be a fun game to watch. I like Jacksonville, 26-20. Boom, Jacksonville. And, man, could you imagine the conversation that we'll be having if San Francisco loses four in a row? Whoa, buddy. Man, those conversations will be a lot of fun to have around the sports world. There's no doubt about it. Man, okay, here we go. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com with us here on Radio Nation Radio 920. All right, Lee, well, we got to close out strong. Allegiant Stadium, Sunday night football, prime time action. The Raiders come Coming off a victory over the Giants in the de- debut of Antonio Pierce as the interim head coach. And then the Jets coming off a loss Monday Night Football to the Chargers. This one, Raiders and Jets, is a pick em, Lee. How do you see this one playing out? So, first of all, I think that they're going to run the ball. I think that Vegas is going to try to not make the mistakes and, and let, obviously, the Jets do it. Zach Wilson is an absolute nightmare. I was shocked they did not go for a quarterback in a trade at the trade deadline. One of the big surprises here. I mean, just just doesn't have it. I think mentally, physically, you know, he can throw the football as far as almost any quarterback, but it's what's upstairs here, and he just holds on to the ball also too long. So their offense, almost non-existent. I think they're going to, like I said, force the Jets into some long down-and-distance situations here and uh, think that this Vegas defense uh, can get it done. And Brees Hall, I mean, this he's a great running back, but mm-hmm. that offensive line is just so injury-riddled. Um, their limits uh, and their ceiling is just not high enough here. So I think the penalties also starting to rack up for the Jets here. So I think Vegas has found themselves here. And I like the way they got started last week, even though it was against a lower-level team. And I think they're going to start moving up here. Uh, pick them game here. <laughs> Give me the Raiders at home here over the New York Jets. 27-17. Ooh, 27-17. Well, look at that. Back-to-back games where they go over 20 points, where they hadn't gone over 20 points offensively one time in the season and uh, now predictably uh, could go and do it for the second time in a row. There you go. I like it. I like how that sounds. That improved the Raiders' record to 5-5. Five and five. Lee, great stuff as always, man. A little college football action and NFL action. Anyone wants to reach out to you, get some more information from you, get uh, signed up for your services, what do they need to do, my man? Well, uh, first time ever, uh, we rate our games from 10 to 50 units. We've never had 240 to 50 unit plays in one weekend. So our record on these plays, 62 and 20 lifetime, only had 240 to 50 unit plays so far this year. You want to hop on board and get 240 to 50 unit plays plus five other selections. Normally, you've got to be a monthly or season subscriber. First time ever, we're going to sell those two major wager releases plus five other plays, seven selections, $117. That's it. So if you're looking for the big weekend to finally unload on, this is it. Don't say that very often. Biggest weekend ever at Paramount Sports. Check us out and come on board.
ParamountSports.com. Boom. All right. There it is right there. ParamountSports.com. Again, Lee Sterling can be found on Twitter at Paramount Sports. Lee, fantastic stuff as always, man. It's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. Good college football action, college hoop action, of course, NFL Week 10. And, of course, we'll pay attention to Sunday Night Football Raiders and Jets at Allegiant Stadium. Lee, great stuff. Thanks so much, my man. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Cube. There he goes, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. 4.42 is the time we're here at Buffalo Wild Wings. Got a couple more minutes. Brad and Concord hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com. Text sign at 69187, keyword r He said, per the conversation, I honestly can't think of a motivational player's coach since Tom Flores. Obviously Madden before that, and this gap is pretty sad. It definitely ain't Joe Bugle. That's funny. He brought up Joe Bugle. I haven't heard that name in so long. Long Joe Bugle. He was that guy that just knew he was going to be, uh, he was going to be the end all be all as far as the Raiders coaches. Man, he was he was the guy. He swore up and down. That obviously did not work. I remember those Joe Bugle days. I remember being at the Coliseum when Joe Bugle was the coach of the Silver and Black. It wasn't long. There was a whole lot of storylines that went into it, but there was it was not long that he was the coach. Also, want to give a big shout out to Carlos. Forgot to do that. I should have done that at the top of the. Uh, the interview with Lee Sterling. Uh, shout out to Carlos. He got hooked up with a pair of tickets to see the Scorpions when they're here in town. Uh, let's go ahead and go out to the phone lines real quick. I know we got to take a break, but we'll t- get to a get to a guy that calls the show. Hasn't called the show in a long time, man. I haven't heard from him in a while. Raider Fish in Berkeley. Welcome to the show. What's on your mama, man? Oh, big cute. I wasn't ready, man. I I, I thought I was gonna be on hold for a minute. Man. I almost dropped. Hey, phone. when you call, when you call, man, I gotta go right to you, brother. Oh, man, I feel honored and privileged. So, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm from Berkeley, and I'm riding my superstitious, you know, uh, moon cosmic rocks because last week I think I just called, and we won. So yep. I'm like, let's go. Hey, so nice. Let's try it twice. Uh, were we talking about anything in particular? You know, I'm late on the bus again. Whatever today. whatever you want to talk about, brothers, whatever's okay. on your mind. Okay. Well, let me tell you what I was pontificating with with the rest of Raider Nation around my area, with my ramblings, I feel that we have a chance to win a few games in a row, and I know who's coming up. But I always like to focus in on some specifics, and so in my opinion, I think we need to go all out on, and I'm talking about risk everything, on the very first drive of each half. Every time we touch the ball for that first possession, first half, and the first possession of the second half, I think we need to be really risky and, and have that mindset if that can set the tone. Can you imagine 14 points per game just off our first two drives, the one in the first half, one in the second half? we got to have that mindset of, of aggression, possession with aggression, and have the capacity for audacity to be like, yes, we can score. First drive of each half would be my key. And let these players know on offense that, hey, if it's fourth and long or wherever on a certain side of the ball, we got to go for it. We, you know, like risk it because nine games in, man, if we can swing a percentage of these games, we may have a shot. So that would be my mentality. First drive of each half. Uh, and Q, I appreciate all of you. Hopefully, you know, me calling will have something to do uh, with us getting another W uh, because that Jets defense is no joke. But you know what? I want everyone, hey, show up and show out and holler, just win, baby, when you go out, right? There he goes, Raider Fish in Berkeley. I'll tell you this, man. If uh, the Raiders win on Sunday night, 
then you better call every week, right? It's on you. We're going to put it on you. I tell Jason Horowitz all the time, no pressure, just call a winner. And he always says, don't tell me that. So that's why I didn't tell him that earlier today when he joined the show. I didn't tell him that because he said that's too much pressure. So Raider Fish in Berkeley, no pressure. But if the Raiders win, then you got to call back next week. I don't give a damn what you say, what you bring up. It's on you. But you got to call in, just like you said. 446 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll close up the show live from Buffalo Wild Wings. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Raiders bring a blitz again, steps up into the pocket, and he's sacked by Adam Butler. There's no one to share it this time. He's got it all by himself at the 34-yard line. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, live from Buffalo Wild Wings. Well done right there by Ari. A little born in the USA, and a shout-out to all the veterans. A lot of folks off work today, a lot of folks around town hanging out celebrating and acknowledging Veterans Day, as you should. Veterans Day officially tomorrow, but definitely want to show that love and uh, definitely can't talk about it enough, right? Uh, and, and I always get caught up in the rut, and I hate doing it. I always get caught up in the rut, like on the 4th of July, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, right? That's always those days that you start remembering that, hey, you know what? Let's thanks our, thank our troops. Let's, let's, let's give a moment to think about our troops. Let's, you know, shake their hand when you see them at the airport or whatever the case may be, but really try to get myself into the habit of, talking to our veterans and thanking our veterans and thanking our current active military members all the time because, man, without them, there is no us. So definitely appreciate you and yours. Appreciate the families, too, for the ultimate sacrifice that they're giving. So, again, uh, without our veterans, without our current troops, uh, we don't have guys like me talking on the radio and and having the good times that we have and sharing the laughs that we have. So uh, definitely cannot thank our veterans enough. Make sure that uh, I know you know some family members and I know you know some friends that are veterans. Make sure you uh, reach out. And, uh, and thank them for everything that they did. i uh, got a couple texts that I want to get to before we wrap up the show. We've got a couple minutes left from uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Let's see. Rob in Oakland always sends us a really good one. He said, uh, my formula for the Jets, and this is at 69187 keyword R&R. One, take an early lead to force the Jets to pass. Two, win the field position battle to force the Jets into executing long drives for points. Three, minimize chunk runs by Brees Hall. Four, flush Zach out of the pocket because he's inaccurate throwing on the run. Five, jump a few routes to get picks. Six, match their physicality and aggression. Seven, no game losing plays to help the Jets. Limit back-breaking penalties. Don't turn the ball over. Force them to earn every yard and every point. Just win. Rob in Oakland, seven great points right there. I think that the early lead to force the Jets to pass is going to be massive. The Raiders could do that. They're in a really good position because I don't see Zach Wilson being the guy that can orchestrate an offense that's just going to come from behind and, and, and climb themselves out of a hole. And I'm not saying like a 21 or 24-point hole. I'm even talking about like 14. The Raiders get up like 14 nothing. I feel pretty good about the, the lead. Now, don't get conservative. I will say that's the one thing I didn't like about last week against the Giants. It felt like in the second half they took their foot off the gas. They just were trying to run the clock out. And I, I don't think that that's the way that you consistently win games. It might work against a team like the Giants that has their – you know, backup quarterback in because, you know, they're, they're, they're starting quarterback tore his ACL like Daniel Jones did. And, and they, they had, a, what, Tommy DeVito in there, right? So that works against them. That's not going to work against very, very many teams. So when you get up on it, you got to finish them. Got to put them out. That would be probably the one critique I had on last week's game that I wasn't a big fan of is the way that they tried to uh, run the clock out. Uh, minimize the chunk runs by Brees Hall. Yeah, similar to what you saw from Saquon Barkley. Look, Saquon ended the game last week with 90 yards. And that's because of everything we just said. Right? They got in a hole. They had to kind of go away from Saquon. But he was having success on the ground. The Raiders are going to have to 
clean that up. You're going to have to because if they can lean on Brees Hall, then the game's going to stay close. And if the game stays close, you never know what can happen at the end. Zach Wilson is good enough for a drive or two to get the ball into the end zone and score some points. So there's that. Would love to see the Raiders get a couple uh, turnovers, create a pick or two, force a fumble. Like Zach Wilson just fumbled the ball three times on Sunday, or he fumbled it twice, and uh, Garrett Wilson fumbled it once. So they had three fumbles. They lost them. And then they also had uh, the Jets also had on special teams, punt return, return for a touchdown by the Chargers. So big plays could happen defensively and and by special teams for the Raiders. They just got to go out there and make it happen. And that physicality and aggression that Rob mentioned is big as well. So thank you so much for that text, man. It's always great to hear from you. Appreciate that. Uh, Let's see. I thought I had a couple more that I wanted to get to. Maybe not. All right. I guess that's going to do it then. (laughs) That is going to do it. That's uh, all we're going to have for uh, today's show. Again, live from Buffalo Wild Wings. We appreciate everyone who came by. Got hooked up with some prizes. Uh, Obviously had some food and some drinks and enjoy their their time on this Friday heading into the weekend and get ready for the game on Sunday. We'll be at Allegiant Stadium. I'll have Q's kickoff, which is the pregame pregame show. That's uh, three hours before kickoff. Then JT the Brick and Eric Allen will have the official pregame show uh, right there at Allegiant Stadium. Coors Light landing right there next to the torch. You cannot miss it. So the Q's kickoff will start around 2. So whenever you can get into the, the stadium, just come on up, say what's up. Everyone hangs out. If it's your first time at Allegiant Stadium, make sure you come and enjoy it, man. Take some pictures, hang out. Uh, you know, talk a lot of Raider football with a lot of phone, uh, a lot of fans that are going to be there, and there will be plenty. And then, as mentioned, JT and EA will take over, lead you right up to kickoff. Jason Horowitz, who you heard earlier on the show today, Lincoln Kennedy also on the call. You heard him yesterday and Tuesday, as a matter of fact. He joins us each week, twice a week, talk about the previous game and look forward to the upcoming game. So definitely, uh, man, had a fun day, had a fun week. It's good, right? It's good. Let's keep this good going. Really would love to uh, come back on Monday and talk about a victory. Hand out some game balls. Talk about a team that's 5-5 five and five in the thick of things. And then you got the Miami Dolphins up next. But before you can get to any of that, got to handle your business on Sunday Night Football. A little prime time action going up against the New York Jets. It's going to be fun. So until then, Raider Nation, all right, great job, man. It's good to have you back. Would you come back? Like a couple days? A <laughs> couple days great and then go to back. the weekend, right? A couple days and then go to the weekend. You were you smart. Know. You knew what you were doing. Uh, But you'll be on that UNLV call tonight. So uh, definitely appreciate you. And we'll talk to you from Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.